turbulent times call for clear-headed insight. That's hard to come by these days, especially on TV. That's where we come in. Salem News Channel has the greatest collection of conservative minds all in one place. People you know and trust, like Dennis Prager, Eric Metaxas, Charlie Kirk, and more. Unfiltered, unapologetic truth. Find what you're searching for at snc.tv and on Local Now Channel 525. The views expressed on the following program do not necessarily represent those of this station or its management. Perspective. Teaching. Conversation. This is Isaiah 61. Over the next half hour, you'll hear why the Lord provided those verses and how they can be used in witnessing, in the church, and in daily life as God's children. Now, here's your host of Isaiah 61 from Spirit of the Lord Church in North Minneapolis, Pastor Joe Sutton. Hey, good afternoon, everyone. This is Pastor Joe Sutton here once again with Spirit of the Lord uh, Radio Ministry, Isaiah 61, coming at you on the mission, 980 a.m., uh, great week, great week. You know, a little chilly, a little chilly, but, you know, we uh, we, we, we survived. We're coming through. I uh, got an opportunity to uh, go out and visit some uh, high school track meets and uh, to watch you know, some of the athletes, you know, run and compete. And, and uh, it, it was a joy to see, you know, I, I made it through, and even though it was a little nippy that day, you know, and then I got to come back to our own practice and watch. Uh, our our athletes compete. It's just such amazing when you get to see uh, young people uh, exercising their their, their gift. I uh, just want to share this one story with you before I get back to Philippians. Uh, we, you know, our, our, we've always encouraged. I've been doing this for twenty twenty four years, uh, coaching young people in track and field. Had the opportunity to see uh, three of my athletes run in the Olympics and international competition and things like that. And, Hordes of them becoming, you know, NCAA All-Americans and some just just. But the most blessed thing is just watching kids become leaders because we we emphasize that kids had to become leaders. So last week before last, I I gathered all the little ones because that's who come to practice, not like 12 and under because everybody else is running high school or junior high. And I said, you know, our goal is to help you be a great athlete. But our main goal is to develop you into a leader. I said, you know, I expect you guys to be able to uh mentor the next age under you because our name is Eagle's Wings. And so we use the attributes and characteristics of an eagle to uh, to get across our character and spiritual points. So I said, and one of the attributes of an eagle is that they nurture their young. They always look out for those younger. So we expect you to look out for those younger than you to show them how to stretch, how to run, uh, how to relax, you know, how to throw, whatever, whatever we're working on. You become teachers, too, to take what we've taught you to teach them. And so then, like, that was a Thursday. So that Tuesday comes around, and we have a stretch guide that we give out to everyone that they can, you know, learn at home how to stretch. So we got to stretching, and I said, who's going to lead us? And uh, this 8-year-old girl raises her hand, you know, <laughs> and and everybody else gets all shy and back up. And I said, y'all going to let the 8-year-old? I said, Yo, and we have five, sixes, everything. So she get out there, and she started, uh, you know, mimicking the stretch drills that we normally do at the end. And then she added one that she learned from the book. So she had to lead, lead the count, lead everything, get everybody going, help correct. And then uh, you could see the light bulb go off in a couple kids' head because then they were like, I want to lead. You know, she did it, right? And so she did it. 
Now everybody's like, oh, I'm going to get ready to lead. And I said, well, you know, you study your stretch guide and come back and we'll give you an opportunity to lead stretches because, you know, one of the things that we do is that when, when we're at a track meet, our coaches hardly don't do any work. Some parents get mad at us because we don't, we don't do much, you know, but we, we don't. We really, you know, if something needs to be done or corrected, uh, we tell another athlete to go, you know, I'll say, hey, you know, John, go over there and show, you know, Lily, you know, how to stretch or to set her blocks or uh, position them for the relay or stuff like that. And uh, and we let them do that. You know what I mean? We let them put into practice, the older ones put into practice with the young and, and teach them how to nurture their young and to bring something out of the next generation. Because if we don't program that into them now, then we can't expect it to just miraculously pop up later on just because they're older and doing some things there. So that that's that's my ministry moment I want to share and and in developing the leadership, you know, because, you know, like I said, after 20 some years, uh, they gave me the nickname of the godfather of youth track and field because because I got so many people out there coaching. They used to run for me. I got so many people out there who started track teams that run against mine, who just, you know, just the, the impact that God has allowed me to make on this particular sport. And not because I'm a great coach. It's just because I develop leaders. You know what I mean? And and there's a lot of people out there who are leading, you know what I mean, who who came from under uh, my leadership. So let's go to the book of Philippians. You know, we talked about last time about uh, what to think on. You know, the Bible tells us to think on whatever things are good and worthy of praise. Think about what is true and honorable, right, pure and beautiful, respected. And, uh, and what you receive from me, what I told you and what you saw me do, and the God who gives peace will be with you. That's what Paul was saying in Philippians 4, 8. You know what I mean? And so when Paul was writing them, you know, Paul allowed them to see him in his relationship with the Lord. You know, and one of the things that that I I, I try to do in, in my life is I try to be multi-generational. And, and in, in my context, a generation is usually every 15 or 16 years. And so I try to keep, you know, people around me from different generations that I'm mentoring, I'm pouring into so they can see how I react, uh, see how I treat my family, you know, uh, you know. So I have people around me in their, in their, you know, early mid forties, you know, uh, early thirties, mid twenties. Uh, those are the young people around me that I'm grooming for leadership, you know, male and female, and I let them see me in operation. As you listen to my show before, you've seen, and you know how I let them come even take over the show to get used to doing that because I think leadership has to be multi-generational because each generation needs to not only be able to read the vision because they're back and tell us to write the vision and make it plain, but they also need to be able to experience the vision. You know what I mean? So when they, when they're responsible to take it to the next level after I've taken it so far that they're responsible to take it there, they understand what has happened and they know how it fits into what will happen. You know what I mean? I'm, I'm, I'm slowly, uh, I've given over one area of what I do to one of my sons and uh, who has the, who has the, the missionary heart, you know what I mean? The evangelism heart and uh, you know, and, but he's always been around me. I mean, always. I mean, even when I never take any of my other kids anywhere, I, I would take him with me because he was probably the most troubled one out of the bunch. <laughs> and he had to stay with daddy, you know, <laughs> As I said when I did Ridgeway show, he would be most likely to be voted off the island if it was a if it was a show about that, you know. And uh, me and my wife didn't know what we were doing wrong as parents, 
you know, with him. And then all of a sudden at age 16, he just stopped. He stopped rebelling. He stopped doing anything. He became a kind soul. He just, it just was a, 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 a change that just swept over him as far as his love for Jesus and everything like that. And, and uh, so that meant we got treated better because since he loved Jesus better, but you know, you, you had that thing. So, but even as you embark in Paul shifts gears in Philippians four, after telling him what to think about. And, you know, and cause you know, the theme of Philippians is joy. And, and, uh, and, and verse 10, he says, I'm so happy. And I thank the Lord that you have again shown your care for me, meaning, and you continue to care for me, but there's, but there was no way for you to show it. I'm telling you this, but not because I need something. I've learned to be satisfied with what I have, with what, with what I have and with whatever happens. So, you know, the Philippians, Paul was thanking him for the gifts that he given him, how he helped support him in ministry and things like that. But he said, I'm not saying it's because I need something. I just want you to know I have learned, you know, the King James says, I have learned to be content. Yeah. You know, Paul said, I've learned to be happy, whatever I have and whatever happens. You know, and the key thing that he says, I have learned. It is not natural for us to rejoice in suffering. It is not natural for us to rejoice in lack. You know, it's not natural for us to rejoice when adverse things come our way. But Paul said, I have learned to be happy or I've learned to be content, you know, in, in whatever happens or whatever comes my way. And that's a learning process. It's a learning curve. And to me, especially as 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 a leader, you know, what I mean, and we all call the lead in some aspect, whether it's just leading ourselves and we run our own home or whether it's being a leader at work or in uh, a play, you know, a leader in the church, you know, whatever it is, leader, your family, you know, it's, 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 he says, I have learned, right. I have learned to be content. Some, some, what makes one person content would make another person angry. You know, I mean, you know, I look at the illustration of uh, even in my, my household with, with, with my children. I got one child. If I gave each one of my kids a hundred dollars, only two of them would do the same thing with a hundred. Only two, only two, you know, and those two would probably run off and go to Dick sport goods and buy some shoes or uh, <laughs> some, some socks or something like that. You know, I got one who put in a savings. I got another one who put in an offering. I got another one who would eat it up. You know what I mean? And I got I got another one who who would say some, eat none, give away some. You know what I mean? It's it's just a myriad of combinations in there. And, and they all were raised in the same household and all pretty much both the same thing. But the, in personality-wise, they're going to treat it different than what they get. And so what Paul said, I've learned to be content. Now, if you give, if I give one of my kids, you know, $100, they'll be happy with it and jump up and down and clap their hand. I give another one 100 he's going to be like, Man, you fifty dollars short on some Jordan pop, you know what I mean? You know, it's like, yeah, it's like, yeah, hundred wouldn't do, wouldn't do nothing for him, you know what I mean? Because he, well, he make that money himself. He work. so the contentment is not a set thing that you can say, oh, because you have houseboat, car, dog, kid, you need, you should be content, you know what I mean? No, and I don't have that, so I cannot be content. No, Paul is saying that contentment, yeah, you know I mean, contentment comes from knowing that you are right with God. That's what contentment comes from. He says, I know how to live when I'm poor and when I have plenty. I have learned the secret of how to live through any kind of situation. When I have enough to eat and when I'm hungry, when I have everything I need or when I have nothing, Christ is the one who gives me the strength I need to do whatever I must do. In other words, in the King James says, I can do all things through Christ, which give me strength. A lot of athletes like to use that 
that verse. But you know, you know, here Paul saying like, you know, when I can do all things, I mean, I can, I, I can handle any situation. I, you know, and as an athlete, you have to be able to handle it. You be in a race, and one week you win, and next week you're last. You know, what I mean, you know. One week you hit a home run and triple and double. Next week you strike out three times. You know what I mean? If you get caught up on your successes or your failures, you're not going to be a good athlete. You know what I mean? You know, but what you have to learn is to be content because it will come. You're going to average, you know, 300, three hits out of every 10, but you may go 20 in a row without a hit. And you may get eight out of 10, you know, and that's why it's called an average. You know, but in Paul said, I've learned to be content, meaning that in the situations that he's gone through, he's learned that content. He's learned to wait because God always has our best interests at hand. Understand that. I know the plans that I have for you. You know, there are plans for you to prosper. God always has your best. And even if suffering is in there so intense, man, that you feel like quitting, but you got to understand and believe this, that God would not have let me go on through this if it's not going to make me better. Because everything the Lord allows to happen to me is for my good. You know, does Satan creep in there? Yes, he does. You know what I mean? But when we're walking in God's obedience and plan, you know what I mean? It, he can't touch. He can't touch. He just, it's not going to happen. You know what I mean? You, I mean, you may go through your suffering. You know, your, your, your body may, your stomach may growl and your back may ache. You know what I mean? But your heart, your spirit, your mind can't touch him. And that's his goal. You know, my coach always told me this. If you get the head, you got the body. If you get the head, you got the body. So he always told us to talk trash. You know, can't talk trash in Minnesota. It's against the Minnesota State High School. (laughs) If you talk too much, you get teched out and thrown out. You know what I mean? That's all we did, especially baseball. All the little chants, yeah, bad, 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 swing, bad, 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 swing. Yeah, I mean, you had to put up with all that going on. And, you know, but now in our PC world, you know, you can't talk the pitcher. You can't talk, you can't talk the batter. You know, I'd be on first base, man. I'd be trying to distract the runner so he can't steal. Yeah, I mean, I say anything. I talk about his sister, his mom, I don't care what it was. I'm trying to get his attention so he don't get a jump on my catcher. So you don't steal no base, you know what I mean? But, but you know, or if I'm playing basketball and you're trying to post me, I'm talking to you. I'm talking to you while, you, while, you, while you're there. I'm, I'm in your ear. You know, and, and, and why? Because if I get your head, I got your body. Your head, your brain controls your body. If I get your head, I got your body. That's why the mind is the greatest battlefield. The mind is the greatest battlefield. So Paul said I had to learn. You know, when it come, comes to us, we... We have to learn. We learn as we go through things. You know, learn how to be content because God has my best interest in hand. You know what I mean? Whether I'm, I'm, I'm renting, whether I'm buying, you know, whether I'm working, whether I'm unemployed, you know what I mean? You know, I have to learn. You know, I have to learn. He will come through. You know, God is. He's a way maker. So as we, we look at this in our development and we're talking about the joy that comes in that, you know what I mean? You know, that's how... Paul can say, count it all joy. You know what I mean? When you can go through hard times or trials, you don't feel like rejoicing. You know what I mean? That's not how you go rejoice. But if you have learned to be content in whatever stage and you see the benefits and you feel the benefits of what you're going through and you know what's there, it's like it's like working out. None of us like it. You know, we don't like working out because, you know, the first couple of weeks, man, you're going to be sore. You're going to get there. But then it gets to a point where you say, like, I wasn't sore that time. 
you know, and then, you know, it's time to increase. Right. And he said, why am I increasing? Then I'm going to be sore again. <laughs> but, you know, the benefits, you start looking in the mirror, you know, your pants start sagging on you a little bit and everything like that. And then you say, it's worth it. It's worth it. And you learn to be content with that pain until you get to a point of measure. This is Isaiah 61, the radio ministry of Spirit of the Lord Church. I'm Pastor Joe Sutton, coming at you with, from our 980 a.m. We're going to take a break, and we're going to come back and talk about how to apply this to our life from Philippians. Spirit of the Lord Church is a multi-ethnic, multi-generational church impacting North Minneapolis and the greater Twin Cities. Emphasizing the four pillars of godly thinking, training up godly children, godly marriages, and outreach to the community. Spirit of the Lord has quickly become a staple to some of the people who need God the most. As they focus on Jesus Christ, grace and truth bind them together to become God's best. Join them for service every Sunday morning at 1030 at 1001 Penn Avenue North in Minneapolis. Spirit of the Lord Church, a proud sponsor of Isaiah 61. I'm Joseph C. Sutton, pastor of Spirit of the Lord Church in North Minneapolis. I also host Isaiah 61. What I love about the Pastor's Appreciation Banquet is to be talking and joking or praying for each other. Uh, I can't replace it. I, I try not to miss one. Hey, this is Pastor Brent Halverson from Vertical Church located in Maple Grove. I want to invite all of you senior pastors to a Pastor's Appreciation Luncheon on June 1st from 10 a.m. to 1 p.m. We'll see you there. Register now at am980themission.com. We're just talking loud and saying nothing. Just saying nothing. What? Just saying nothing. Don't tell me how. Do my thing. Hey, this is Pastor Joe Sutton. Back with you again on Isaiah 61, talking about learning how to be content in every situation. Once again, you know, I'm just going to read it. Read it. Um, it says, Paul says, I know how to live when I am poor. And when I have plenty, I've learned the secret of how to live through any kind of situation. When I have enough to eat or when I'm hungry, when I have everything I need or when I have nothing. Christ is the one who gives me the strength I need to do whatever I must do. That's the secret. Christ is the one who gives me the strength to do whatever I must do. You know, Proverbs 3 tells us to trust in the Lord with all of our heart and lean not on our own understanding. In all of our ways, acknowledge him and he shall direct our path. You know, in all of our ways, you know, allowing Christ to shine in your life, allowing your relationship with him to get deeper. Uh, that, and, 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 and that's when you know you can endure anything. You know, uh, personally for me, I thought I had learned how to be content in every situation. When I uh, left corporate, and start doing youth ministry. Uh, I thought that just because I was doing the Lord's work, people would support me. And I, I quickly found out that's not the case. <laughs> Coming from uh, a non-Christian home, my people didn't understand supporting the missionary, you know, uh, giving gifts of money so that, that I could, I can go out there and get, you know, get a, uh, you know, reach kids with the gospel. They didn't understand that. So, I didn't get support from my family, didn't get it from my friends because they were like, you know, they thought I was trying to become a televangelist or something like that. And my church didn't really know me that well. And so I just didn't have relationships there because like I'd only been saved about maybe a couple of years. And uh, and so I went from back then, which is big money, you know, in the early 80s, you know, I was making, you know, twenty five hundred dollars a month plus bonuses. And I went down to six hundred dollars a month. 
Uh, that's why I made six hundred dollars a month with a two hundred forty dollar car note, and uh, and and a, a three hundred dollar mileage check reimbursement I would get every month. So it was like less than a thousand dollars a month I was living off of, and I I came to this conclusion at the end: what the heck was I doing with that twenty five? Because I still lived in the same apartment, I still had the same thing, same car, and I was making uh, two thirds less, but. I, I I had just as much there, you know what I mean? Because then I started understanding how 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 God provides because I wasn't leaning on my own understanding, my own understanding of finances, my own paycheck, you know what I mean? I had to be more purposeful in my spending, I had to be watchful, and uh and 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 I made it. And so I learned something. I learned that even though I may not have cash, that that God doesn't need cash to bless me. You know what I mean? He can give me favor. And then I, I said, I like favor. Favor is tax free. I don't have to report it on my taxes. <laughs> you know, I go in the store thinking I'm going to spend fifty dollars, and I spend fifteen. You know, because of sales or or or, or whatever. You know, what I mean, close out, and I'm like, wow, this is this is this is kind of interesting. This is fun, and and you know, but I I thought because I led this home missionary life, uh, never making much money. Uh, turn around, I start having children. I almost quit the ministry, um, you know, when my second child was coming because it was like, man, I hadn't got paid in six months. I was scraping along off my wife's part-time salary, and I got another baby coming. You know, I, I got to get back out here and do what I know I can do. I got to go back corporate. And i never forget, I was sitting in a room with uh, Joseph, Reverend Pastor Joseph Jeter, a missionary, and, uh, and, and John Perkins. And, uh, John, they both told me, don't quit. They said, don't quit. They said, God will bless you a favor. And, and uh, Pastor Jeter shared with me how, you know, he had missions all over the world. He said all 10 of his children were born on the mission field. And he said, I never made more than $12,000 any one year. He said, I didn't really make $20,000 till all my kids got grown and they took over the ministry and they paid me twenty. And he said, he said, but every last one of my kids has an advanced degree, a master's. Four of them have doctors and one's working on a doctorate. He said, I paid nothing for their college. It was all paid for. He said, that's the favor of God. God could have gave me $100,000 a year and I would end up paying, you know, tuition and everything. But God just gave me favor, you know, and they all got academic scholarships. They all did well. And he said, you know, he said, young brother, just, you know, this is what God called you to. He going to provide and, and I stayed and I didn't, I didn't quit. I'm glad I didn't quit. And, uh, you know, I've tried to give that speech to some before, but, you know, everybody can't handle that life because you have to learn to be content because Satan comes in on your mind to try to tell you why you shouldn't be content with where you are. Shouldn't be content with your wife. Shouldn't be content with your children. Shouldn't be content with your apartment. Shouldn't be content with your job. Shouldn't be content with your car. That's what he does. And and if we don't learn to be content and, and, and that learning process means we have to go through some things. Don't avoid going through some things. If they persecuted him, they'll persecute you even more so. Yeah, I mean, you ain't got to be a glutton for punishment. No masochist or nothing. Yeah, I mean, but, you know, you just got to take your lessons so you can learn to be content. And even at the time where I thought I had learned how to be content, you know, and then 50, when I turned 50, you know, I thought I was content, you know, ready to mentor myself off into the sunset. Then I started getting health problems. And you know what? I had to be, I had to learn how to be content with my health problem. I had to learn how to be content with my body. I had to learn how. And I had to learn all over again. 
You know what I mean? And it's 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 not too many days that don't go past that I'm not in pain, and nobody ever knows it. You know what I mean? I'm you know because it, it's not. I've learned to be content. It's just I just go like. Uh, it's not going to stop me from preaching. It's not going to stop me from teaching. It's not going to stop me from loving. It's not going to stop me from parenting. You know, I said, this is what I'm going to do. I said, and I've learned to be content. I've learned to see the joy in it because man, I'm telling you something. I tell you this with all my heart is, is I even feel like crying, man. I'll walk through any storm. I'll walk through any sickness, any pain, any disaster, any shootout. As long as I got the presence of God with me. I said, because as Paul said, I learned the secret, but he, he told me the secret. And the secret is this. Christ is the one who gives me the strength I need to do whatever I must do. And you need to learn his secret. Christ is the one you need. Quit trying to operate in your own knowledge, your own strength, your own understanding. You allow God to flow through you. If you don't know how to do that, find you someone. They can teach you how to worship. Find you someone. They can teach you, you know, how to pray. You know what I mean? Let Christ work through you. He will give you the strength that you need to accomplish what you need to do. Once again, your present situation is not your final destination. Do not allow your outside circumstances to rob you of your inner peace. Until next week, God bless. See you guys later.